This Choircast podcast episode is brought to you by Heretic Happy Hour, whose tagline is Burning Questions, Not People. Join hosts Shonda Jaw, December Rose, Dr. Reverend Katie Valentine, Keith Giles, and myself, Matthew J. DiStefano, for a happy hour filled with quality conversation, fine fellowship, and perhaps even a laugh or two. Unapologetically irreverent and crass, yet sometimes profound, we make sure to pull no punches and leave no stones unturned as we discuss the Christian faith. But listener, beware. There will assuredly be some serious sacred cow tipping. If that sounds like your cup of tea, or bourbon if that's your thing, head on over to heretichappyhour.com to stay up to date with us, and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast fix. A bisexual hairstylist who escaped a cult, a black mystic, and a recovering evangelical. What could go wrong? This is the Messy Spirituality Podcast with Lola Robbins, Kyle Butler, and Jason Elam. Welcome back to the Messy Spirituality Podcast. I'm your host, Auntie Lola, bringing you yet another messy conversation. As a visual artist myself, I'm really excited to speak with our guest today. Bree is an artist born in Canada with a painting degree specializing in color theory. Bree is a green witch and currently works as a bud tender in the southern part of the U.S., I accidentally called her the eggplant lady for no discernible reason. <laughs> Thank you for joining me, Bree. Welcome in. <laughs> What's going on? How's it going? I'm so excited to be here and thank you so much for having me. I am looking so forward to this. I've never done a podcast. I've talked about doing my own, but it's such an experience to be a part of this with you. Thank you. Oh, that's so cool. I didn't know that you uh wanted to do a podcast ever. What, what kind yeah. of podcast would you do if you did oh one? Oh, let me tell you about it real quick. Yes. Um, so uh, it's kind of like a kind of a running gag that I have with my friends. But um, because I work in cannabis, uh, I like to smoke, of course. And so out of respect for the people who visit my apartment, like my mm-hmm. in-laws and everything, like I don't care if they know that I smoke. I just don't like it when it smells like smoke in here. So uh, I yeah. actually smoke in my bathroom and we call it the body puff. So I have... I have a very small bathroom, <laughs> only one, two. So um, we all pile into our ba- my bathroom and we spark up a joint. And we just have some chit chat conversations, and so it's it would be really great content for <laughs> a podcast okay, yes. for sure. Um, so it's in the works, definitely, but um, it's something that I have to make time for. And so right no, now, yeah, on my side. <laughs> okay, nobody. This is patent pending. Nobody can steal this idea from me. Please don't. I'm working very hard on accomplishing these things. Um, so y'all just get excited to listen to it. All right. No, that's great. That's great. We're gonna just gonna go ahead and plug her right here. Yep. I love thank, that. Thank you. It's coming soon. Yes. No. You let us know when it happens. Oh, you know I will. Okay. So first of all, we just kind of start out by asking our guests, you know, what's your spiritual background? Did you grow up in an atmosphere of faith? You can start back as early in your childhood as you like. Or... For sure. I'll probably just end up starting from the beginning because that's no really problem. how it all starts, right? Yes, go <laughs> for it. So growing up, uh, I was born and raised in um, Barrie, Ontario, Canada. It's not a huge town, but it's just about 45 minutes from Toronto. So I had a really messy childhood. Let's just get that clear. I was raised by like my grandparents and my aunts and my uncles and stuff. My sister actually had uh, childhood cancer. So she was like diagnosed when she was three years old and uh, I was about six. So it was kind of just all over the place uh, for like 
good couple of years. So in that, I spent a lot of time with different family members and I was introduced to different lifestyles through those family members and stuff like that. So it really shaped and molded how I am in the world today. I don't consider myself to be very strict in faith by any means. Like I definitely was raised with my mom's side of the family being um, Muslim and stuff like that. Like my sister and I, we were baptized Muslim because it's a closed off faith. You have to be baptized of that faith to be able to participate in any of the religious events or even go into the mosque. So my mom didn't want us to be closed off from those types of experiences. And so when we were really young, my mom and my dad had this like really in-depth conversation, literally comparing and contrasting like Christian to the Muslim faith and finding the commonalities and what would work best. And so they both came to the conclusion that the because the Muslim faith is super exclusive, my mom wanted us to be able to participate in that side of our culture. And so she and my dad both agreed to baptize us that. So growing up, I was always like... I'm sorry, how old were you when you were baptized in the Muslim faith? <laughs> Gosh, I was... I was so young, like, holy crap, I literally don't even remember it. Like, wow, it was, it was definitely something I think my mom did like very early on, like pretty much probably after I was born, but they okay. definitely had a very intense conversation about it. And my dad's a very, very open-minded individual. And I think meeting my mom really did that for him, but... Yeah. All in all, that's what they decided to do with my sister and I. And so because of that, we participated in all of the like Muslim religious events. Um, and we went to the mosque like every year around Christmas time and like did this huge prayer around Christmas. Like it's all in a different language too. So it's one of those things where it's like, you don't really know what you're praying for or what you're <laughs> saying. And you're just kind of like just a kid hanging out around these people singing crazy insane chants. But it was very beautiful. Just the same way that you would sing gospel in church. It's, it's very beautiful sounding, but you have no idea what they're saying. <laughs> um, and so... My mom, um, she does follow pretty close to the faith, but she does stray away in her own like sense, I guess you could say. Like she, she separates herself by following a deity as well as the Muslim faith. She prays to this deity very frequently and if not every day. So it's, it's very, very exclusive for her and it's very personal for her that she participates in this. But for my sister and I, we are completely unorthodox and are completely non-practicing at this point now that we're adults. But with my dad's side of the family, my dad is an Anglican Christian and so is my dad's entire side of the family. Um, so I, I not only would go to the mosque on Christmas, but I would also go to the church. And so I feel like growing up surrounded by two very, in a way, vastly different approaches to faith, I feel like it really shaped my idea of what faith could be. And at a very young age, I was starting to explore all of the different options. Like for a very long time, I thought it was like atheist because I was like, surely none of this shit makes sense. Like, are you for real right now? Like you can't tell me your God's better than this God and that God doesn't make any sense, you know? So I did a lot of asking questions as a kid and I always felt like I could comfortably ask both my parents like religious questions and stuff like that because they always would give me very honest answers. Like they were very open-minded to the way that I wanted to understand the things that they do on a regular basis. And like, I learned the Lord's Prayer, like, because I knew that that's what they say in church. And they also say it at funerals. Like, it's just something that I needed to know to be able to participate and not feel like some strange outlier in front of my family, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. 
it really did push me into the exploration of spirituality because I had come to realize that God is such an individualistic experience and no two persons experience of what they interpret God as being is the same. And to argue back and forth about who's right and who's wrong is absolutely ridiculous. Like you're just going in circles at that point. So going into spirituality, I don't look at it as trying to make sense of the world around me or after me. It's just one of those things that I'm able to kind of just hone in on and feel grounded in my own existence. Like I don't feel like I need to go to some type of temple to feel enlightened. I can just go to my living room and light some sage, you know? Or go to the bathroom. Or go to the bathroom, you know, a little potty <laughs> up in there for sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. No, that's great. So that's definitely like pretty much like the basis of like where I've come from and how it's kind of developed. I got it from both ends. So I do really understand like a lot of the Christian beliefs and the way that it can come into practice with someone else's everyday life. And I also understand like the Islamic community as well. So I feel like I can really put into perspective where people are coming from. And I, I do it to my advantage to where it allows me not to really judge people, you know, because I feel like a lot of people make uh, faith-based decisions every day and it might be a subconscious thing that they're doing, but I, I definitely try to be very hyper aware of those things given that I was constantly raised around being an outlier because, you know, my mom's side of the family was always so welcoming and they, everything's big. We all have big families on my mom's side. And then my dad's side of the family is also big, but it's very exclusive. And, you know, it comes directly from just like my grandma and grandpa. So I'll really see everyone else has passed away. So, you know, it's just kind of smaller and, you know, it's a lot more family oriented in the way that we all go to church together and we all celebrate Christmas together. And it's very Southern like, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Wow. I really like that you have such a broad, I guess, understanding and foundation of spirituality, you know, coming from, from both sides. That gives you, I guess, more of an advantage for forming your own spiritual path? It certainly does. I, I like to definitely think that it does because, you know, when I meet other people on their spiritual journey, I can kind of already tell where they're coming from, how they're slowly easing away from what they're used to and are easing themselves into what they feel comfortable with and what they believe in. And I can always like kind of empathize with that as well as kind of almost offer like a guidance because I don't think I'm anybody. But <laughs> I am somebody with some experience on very, very, very different levels. <laughs> yes. No, I, I think you're honestly a perfect spiritual guide for people just because there's such a, I feel like you're such a neutral person. Well, thank you. I, I try to remain as neutral as I can in, a, in like pretty much everyday interactions with people. Like I just understand that you never know what somebody is going through. And I do understand how like religious trauma can be very, very impactful on people's lives and mm -hmm. the things that they choose to do every day. Like it's pretty crazy, especially moving into the South. Like, wow, <laughs> that's, that's, that was an experience, an eye opener for me. I was never, nothing could have ever prepared me <laughs> for how the South behaves. <laughs> Tell me, okay, let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. How old were you when you moved to the United States? I was 13 years old when we came to... That's a crucial point, 13 and 14 years old. You know, you're really starting to shape um, a lot of your, your moral morals and, you know, ethical principles around that part of your life, I think. And um, so 
what was so different about it? Like, did you experience something specifically? Or I'll give you a little insight here. So in Canada, people are are a lot more reserved, you know, like mm-hmm. I've heard you get the stereotype that, you know, everyone in Canada is nice, but <laughs> I think it's just because everybody just kind of minds their own damn business. And oh. in the South, I've I've learned very quickly that your business is everybody's business. Like, especially if you're from like a small town or something, like everybody knows what you've been up to, where you were, if you were at Walmart yesterday. Like it, it's, it's so insane to me that I, I was shocked at the fact that people are so open here in a way that they openly express what they believe in and they openly express how they feel about things, whether it's right or wrong. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like if they have mm-hmm. an they're going to tell you that opinion. And and something about that is admirable, but at the same time, it causes a lot of problems, you know, when people don't mind their business. And I've noticed that it's almost like a continuous cycle that I see, um, especially in like the older generations of the South. Like I'm a, I'm gonna call it like the boomer generation. Um, accurate, I accurate. see a lot of people that just they'll be like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll pray for you. And I'm just like, why? <laughs> why? Well, okay. That's a valid question. Nobody, why? Nobody in a million years would say something like that unless you experience things horrific. Like I'm talking like you had to have lost both your legs in a car crash and your closest friend's like, I'm praying for you. Nobody just in the grocery store is like, hears that you're overhears that you're going through something and they're just like, oh, I'm praying for you. I'm like, bro, you were, you were two aisles over. What are you doing here? Like, huh? Like people are super nosy here and it's wild, wild. Listen, we like sweet tea and we spill the damn tea. Spill the damn tea everywhere, babe, everywhere. It goes all (laughs) over the place. There's no mop that can clean that up. No, 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 we don't own a mop. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, you're right. So, when did you, okay, you are a proclaimed green witch, correct? Green witch? Yes. Okay, so yes. tell me, when did you start coming into that path? Tell me what influenced you. Gosh, I was around. so young. Um, I remember... Uh, the first- you were young? I was so young. When I discovered that I was, I was good with nature, to mm-hmm. say... Like it was one of those things that I gravitated towards so hard that I just couldn't figure out why. I just was naturally really good at these things. I could make anything grow. And so it started when my mom took me to Home Depot once. I think I was maybe about like eight years old. And she took me to Home Depot and I saw this like three pack of cactuses. And I was like, Mom, I need these cactuses. And she's like, how much are they? I'm like, I don't know, like 10 bucks or something for a pack of three, whatever. And she's like, okay, um, sure. So she bought me these cactuses and she bought me this pot to put them in. And I potted them all together in this cute little arrangement. And I used to talk to these plants and they would grow like crazy. It was insane. Like, I've never been one to say that I'm good with like desert plants because succulents hate me, but cactuses love me. Um, and so wow. being a young kid and, and literally watching these, these plants grow in front of your eyes, you're like, wow, I am responsible for this thing's life. <laughs> I give it life. <laughs> and it just kind of changed something in me that I was like, I like plants. Like I really, really enjoy this. And so I used to go outside in like our backyard and 
I used to bag flowers that used to grow behind our fence. My mom and I used to always spread wildflower seeds in the forest behind our house. And uh, they used to grow very beautiful, like black-eyed Susans and poppies and just like sunflowers and stuff like that. So I used to go out there and I used to pick the garden, like the most ethereal thing you could imagine. And I would bring them inside and I would make a little bouquet and I would give them to my mom. And like, it was just something about interacting with nature that really spoke to me at a very young age. And then going into adulthood, I had adult money (laughs) and I was able to go out and buy other plants that just spoke to me in a way that I don't even know. It's like music, like very light tinkling of bells, if that makes sense. And they just literally speak Mm -hmm. to me. I pick them up, I bring them home and I take care of them and they thrive. They thrive. (laughs) How many plants do you currently own? Do we want to know? I don't think you do, but I'll tell you anyway. (laughs) Don't tell my fiance, but technically these all can be doubled if I just cut them up once. Okay. But right now in my possession, including the cuttings that I have in water, I have about 82 houseplants in a 900 square foot apartment. (laughs) I was going to say, don't you live in an apartment? (laughs) No, I sure do. (laughs) Wow. If you were to walk into my living room right now, you would see the jungle from the Rainforest Cafe. (laughs) Honestly, and I think I heard one time on a different podcast, something about it takes 80 to 90 houseplants to actually filter air. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like no, the air in here is pristine, baby. The air in here is clean. <sighs> it's crispy. Absolutely. Wow. <laughs> I love it. No, I love yeah. that. It's uh, honestly, it's really fantastic. It brings me uh, so much joy. I, I could honestly, I spend hours of the day talking and looking after my plants. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's very sweet. And thank you. <laughs> very green witch forward. So thank you. Thank you. Is there any other part of your green witchery that you'd like to talk about? Or I, I definitely use a lot of like my, my green witch knowledge in my profession, actually. Knowing a lot about medicinal herbs and stuff like that really helps me to connect with not only just other people, but with myself. So I like to recommend to people do different things with their cannabis. So like, yes, you can cook with cannabis and yes, you can smoke cannabis. You can do so much stuff with it. You can wear it. But a lot of people don't realize that you can like mix other apothecary knowledge with the medicinal benefits of cannabis. Like I love to roll a really nice indica dominant lavender blunt and then go to bed. It's the most amazing thing ever do for yourself. I guarantee it'll change your life. Okay. There is a ton of smokable herbs out there. A simple Google search will tell you that. And you can mix all of these different herbs with weed and get extra medicinal benefits. Like mugwort is also another really good one. It's good for your lungs. It's uh, basically like an internal cleanse for your lungs. It's super good. If you smoke a lot like frequently or if you smoke tobacco products, it can help kind of flush out your system. You can also make cannabis-based teas that way as well. If you don't want to actually smoke it, you can steep tea. Um, you just have to decarb your flour in the oven, uh, set it at like 200 degrees, leave it for like an hour, but pay close attention to it. Uh, you don't want to burn your stuff, but um, you can... We're then- giving out tea recipes oh, now. Oh, absolutely. You know, <laughs> this is very good. 
Absolutely. Um, and you can make your own tea with uh, decarbed cannabis and you put it, you can put it in a tea steeper or your own tea bags, but mix it with other herbs, steep it for a little bit, have you a little sippy sippy and go right to bed. It's amazing. So I do like to uh, always recommend other people try those things because it can really, really make someone's life a million times better. Like the herbal medicines that I take, not just from work, but like in general, just like the teas that I drink and stuff, they have changed my whole world. Like I'll give you a little insight here. The whole reason why I started working in cannabis was because I was a slave to big pharma. I hated it. I was on ADHD meds, depression mm-hmm. meds, anxiety meds, sleep meds. Like I was just popping pills and it was bad. Like it took me for a turn that was for the worst. Um, my sleeping medication, uh, gave me a really bad psychosis and, um, I ended up getting like pretty addicted to like taking my antidepressants and stuff. Like I was taking them way more frequently than I needed, but I was just like constantly chasing like the serotonin and dopamine that Mm -hmm. I greatly lack. And so when I decided that I was no longer going to take my medications anymore, I needed to find something that was still going to help me because I am still all of these things. I'm depressed. I'm sad. Like I'm ADHD. Like I'm all of these different things. I need something that's going to allow me to function like a quote, normal person and still allow me to feel like myself. Because the entire time I was taking all these medications, I never once felt like I was who I say that I am. And so I started going into the shop that I work at now. Um, it's called Black Tides and there's a location in Hoover and there's one in Homewood. I work at the Homewood one if you want to come see me. Um, but I walked in there about five years ago and I told the guy at the counter, I was like, look, bro, <laughs> I talked to my therapist. My therapist told me to try CBD. I don't, I don't know what that means, but I need something. And so <laughs> he hooked me up, bro. He hooked me up so good. And I still take all the same products. I buy them super frequently. But um, there's a cannabinoid uh, similar to CBD. Um, it's called CBG. And basically what it is, is it's the anti-inflammatory cannabinoid of cannabis. And it behaves like a muscle relaxer, but it's also a natural antidepressant. And I have never in my life taken another antidepressant in my entire career of working there. It changed my whole world. I was like, holy shit, this stuff is amazing. It's all natural. It's all organic. And it's about 200 milligrams of capsule that I take. And I take it every other day. And holy crap. It, I have never been better. I, I feel like I could conquer the world if I wanted to. And it was all because I walked into this shop and was like, bro, please help me. I don't know. <laughs> and he did. And he really did. And he, he slid that bottle across the counter and I was like, damn, all right, I'm trusting you, bro. And like, after I finished that first bottle, I went back and I got more and I started experimenting with all of the other stuff, feeling a little more comfortable with being the success rate that I already had. So I decided to try smoking it. I tried um, the gummies and stuff like that and all of it worked great. So I decided that uh, I was going to apply for a job. <laughs> yeah. And no, I, and you already have such a, a good background with plants. I, I mean, well, yeah, it all made sense at that point. And that's probably half the reason why they hired me. I was a customer, loyal customer with them mm-hmm. for over like three and a half, four years. And so finally being on the other side of the counter, I can just present these people with all of this plethora of information that I 
have and hopefully help them the way that they helped me. It's like my biggest goal. And so hopefully one day I'll, I hope to be able to open up like my own dispensary and work with apothecary and magic in that kind of way and just hopefully deliver something amazing to the world. No, yeah, I that's amazing. And honestly, we don't take advantage of uh, nature in the ways that we should, in my opinion. I'll tell you some, a fun fact here real quick since you said that. Um, so in Canada, um, weed killer is illegal. You cannot buy weed killer at really? all, at all. And it has to do with preserving the environment in its natural state. So you could drive down the highway in Canada, right? And there's just fields and fields of dandelions. It's the most magical thing you'll ever see. They have all of the little puffballs floating in the air, like some sort of pristine movie out of Studio Ghibli. Like it's, it's beautiful. And then you come to America and it's just like, concrete everywhere and you're like oh. I'm coming to Canada just to fuck it. <laughs> it's a vibe it's a vibe it's expensive as hell but it's a vibe <laughs> hey and the weed in Canada sucks no I'm not even gonna lie the weed in Canada sucks you heard it here guys <laughs> the weed in Canada sucks go to Colorado for sure for sure but the weed in Canada sucks the edibles are good but the flower mid <laughs> mid heard that heard that heard Absolutely. okay so I want to ask you about an art piece so when I first messaged you, we were, you know, we were talking about, or no, you first messaged me. I lied. You were telling me about, <laughs> uh, you were telling me about this. Is this sculpture? It's a painting, actually, it's a painting. but okay. it's like it's like a three dimensional painting, so it's like mixed media, I guess you could say, because it does have sculptural components that come off of the canvas, but okay, most of it is a painting. So I want you to tell our audience about that because that piece is just, I, I haven't even seen it with my own eyes, but oh I'm just very much of it right now. I'm sending it to you right now. Send it to me, please. I am. So basically what I did for my bachelor's degree is I graduated from the University of Montebello. And so basically what I did was for your senior show, it's what you basically work towards your entire four years at the college. You get a exhibit or a gallery showing of all of your best work at the end of the year before you graduate. And so basically you have to like write artist statements about it, like about your work, um, explaining what your work is trying to tell. And then you have your committee, which is just like three to four people of groups of professors that you've asked to personally come in and critique your work. So what I did was I did um, like an in-depth research study about the social issues in America. And it's a very, very touchy subject. Um, it's one of those things that uh, as an artist, I am very unapologetic and I will call a spade a spade. And so I wanted to create visual components um, regarding these social issues, but I wanted to construct it in a way that wasn't going to be taken too literally. So I decided to create the figures of my work into birds. Birds carry a lot of symbolic meaning. I'm also a crazy bird lady. I Birds are like my favorite freaking animal. Like, there are so many things I can tell you about birds, including their symbolism, that it just seemed appropriate to be able to create this almost humanoid species that represented these issues in America as people, but not being people. Because if they were people, it would just be too literal, if that makes sense. So basically, I did a self-portrait that pretty much represented my stance in everything. And I created myself as a um, male peacock. 
funny enough, I do not identify as a male. I use she, her pronouns, absolutely. But I felt like the male peacock symbolism was so applicable to me that I didn't care about the gender identity. It was more about the spiritual and the symbolic, uh, like, description that carried that would apply to me directly. So I put myself in my painting apron and I put my beautiful peacock bird head on my shoulders and I called it a self-portrait, the artist. And it just really was the first painting that you saw that was going to introduce you to the rest of the show. And what it did was, this is me, this is what I see. And so it carried the rest of my artwork. I talked about the legalization of cannabis. I talked about at the time, this was uh, when COVID was rampant. Um, So I did a COVID painting, of course. I talked about Jim Crow law. Um, I talked about 9-11, prostitution and religion. And all of those are very touchy subjects for a lot of different people. And so representing them well, as well as how I saw them was a super important factor in my work. And so basically, this art piece that we're talking about is a painting of a Catholic priest that I did. Um, I called him prothelatize. Prothelatize is a word used to describe people who try to convert other people's political or religious views based on their own opinions. So that was the way that I viewed all religion. But I thought that the scariest religion was the Catholics. It was in my research that I did and I learned that they are super culty in a very crazy way and that people still continue to follow these like norms that are in place for this religion. And it's scary. It's horrifying. It's brainwashing. And I decided to create this priest to look not evil, but menacing. My biggest issue is that I didn't want people to think that I was perceiving the Catholic religion to be evil because there was reason in the things that they did and the things that they do in their practice, but I don't think it was justifiable to say the least. So it was something that I definitely deviled very deep into and I created this painting and he is six feet tall. Um, The canvas itself is six feet, but he hangs about eight feet off the wall. Um, And he has like this um, like fabric coming off and it breaks outside of the frame. And I just sent you the picture there, Lola. But he comes out of the frame. Yeah, he comes out of the frame and uh, he has this long cloak that drags across the floor and you are forced to look up at him when he's hanging up. And I wanted people who looked at him to feel small. I wanted people to understand that it's a power trip to be a part of these types of things. And to be in such a high position on a podium like that is horrifying. And you should be scared. You should be aware and you should be afraid. And I just made it so that way people would want to question their reality that they were living in, whether they directly related to it being Catholic or if they just directly related to it in a religious sense in general. That was the goal mainly to be able to allow people to perceive things in the way that I did. And I think I did a good job with that, honestly. (laughs) I am perceiving. (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't even know how to explain to the listeners exactly what I'm looking at because it's just... Hold on. I'm going to send... I have never really looked at a piece of art such as this and... (laughs) It's definitely something 
different. And that was the biggest goal. Like I remember talking to my professor and telling her that I wanted to do a 80 by like 40 size canvas. And she was looking at me like, what the hell are you going to put on there? He literally comes off the canvas. Like it, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it looks like he's standing there. It's really crazy, actually. I, uh, <laughs> he's still um, sitting at my parents' house right now. <laughs> I was going to ask attic. him to sleep with that thing in the room, do you? <laughs> so he's in the attic right now and he's horrifying. Every time you open the attic, he's like the boogeyman in the <laughs> Damn. Oh, your poor parents. Anyway. No, I love them, man. Holy crap. They they do the most. <laughs> I appreciate them. <laughs> but um, that was kind of just like my take on a lot of the different like social issues that I, I wanted to make them be very direct, but without being too literal. Like if I had made that, that priest an actual person, it would have just been too much. I think like I couldn't even imagine making a man scary enough to take the place of a black-headed vulture. Like, I just thought that the bird choice with the outfit, with the background was just super ideal. So, you know, yeah, that's an... It's enough as it is. It's enough as it is. I want our listeners to be able to see this. Are you okay with them like being oh, able to yes. see this? You guys can check out my Instagram. Um, all of my artwork is posted yeah, on there. Say, it, we'll, we'll plug you at the end anyway, as long as it's on your Instagram, because I need, I need them to see. Yeah, absolutely. There's actually... There's a whole video walkthrough of the entire gallery that you guys can look at as well. So that's that's pretty much the entire show. So I showed with somebody else who also did very similar like artistic takes on social issues. It was much more personalized for her. Mm-hmm. Where me, it was more broad spectrum of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just personally perceived like I could continue the series like if to infinity if I wanted to until they until America fixes their shit. <laughs> so you know we'll see we'll see but. There's a whole walkthrough on that, and you can see her sculptures as well. She she did a really sick COVID uh, sculpture as well. So it was it's nice. You guys should definitely check it out. Excellent. We are definitely. Uh, I'm definitely going to check it out, and I encourage all the listeners to. Wow, that's a lot. Um, <laughs> yes, we're intense so, over here. <laughs> let's, let's talk about. Okay, so this is a a piece of religious art, technically. You yes. Know, so. How has religious art changed over time that that you have seen experienced? Well, I feel like religious art has become political in a way. It's showing itself more and more in our daily news that it's becoming a political statement to be religious. And I think that can be extremely dangerous. Um, religious art was about the depictions of happenings that were supposed to be enlightening. And now I think it's nothing more than a political statement to get people to agree with you. You can see it a lot happen in the South, I feel like the most. Um, the further North and or West that you go, it kind of dissipates, but it's still there. It's just not as prevalent. And so I think that, you know, we really have lost sight of art history kind of in general. It's like a ancient art practice that only very few nerdy geeks like to participate in. But I think it's important for us to all be very like well-rounded in our understanding of how art and religion pretty much go hand in hand. You know, like I always laugh at the depiction of Jesus because he's not a white man. My um, God, say it louder. <laughs> say it louder. Jesus is not a white man. <laughs> I swear to God, if he walked into the church down the street from my house 
would riot. They would be like, he's going to shoot up the place. Like, no, God forbid. I swear to God, like they would not recognize Jesus. No, it's actually one of my favorites. One of my favorite things to say to religious people, one of my favorite hobbies actually is to grind people's gears. I like to be the pain in the ass to people's existence by being a complete realist. Um, and people, sometimes they hate it and I, I really don't care because it is what it is, you know? Um, you don't have to like it. It's just that way. <laughs> and so when I... Exactly. I am unapologetic. I'm not an asshole. I can be, but I'm not. Because I am polite and considerate of others. So that's what makes the difference. But my favorite thing to do is I, I, I love to ruffle people's feathers in a way that just makes them question their own reality in a way that I didn't do that. You did. You know, it's not like Gaslight Girl Boss, but like. <laughs> no, but like to help okay. them be a little more self-aware exactly. of like the yeah, things that they're saying, the things, the ideas they're pushing. Yeah, like a good old reality check. Like, did you just say that? Mm-hmm. just said that you want to try and not say that yeah okay great you didn't say that sweet honestly so like my uh my therapist was telling me something about you know if someone tells you something that you perceive or you know you believe is you know a negative statement towards yourself or others stating it back to them in, in a question you know yep. asking kind of sincerely stating it as a question to them and asking like, you know, and that's is, exactly is what you meant? Yep. That's exactly yeah. the message. Just so they can hear it again, you know? Just yeah. Give them that good old, mm, check yourself. Give them that old razzle dazzle, mm-hmm. if you will. It's my favorite thing to do. And I, I like to do it a lot in religious groups because Justin, my fiance, um, his family is pretty religious on the Christian side of things. And so I, I, I participate in their prayer for dinner. That's fine. But I'm always going to make it a point to say thank you to his mom for making the food because she is the one who made the, the dinner. One that made it. Yeah, you know, we're not thanking Jesus for dinner, bro. We're thanking your wife. Um, but you know, it's just, it's just one of those things that as soon as he's done saying the prayer, I look directly at his mom and I'm like, thank you for dinner. And it just yes. makes me feel like, oh. <gasps> She <laughs> didn't thank God for her fried chicken. No, literally, right? Though. You just kind of see the gears in his head turning. He's like, oh, yeah, thanks for dinner. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's what I thought. <laughs> Something about our spirituality pushes aside our humanity sometimes. Is oh, that not so tragic? It's, it is. It's actually, it's horrifying sometimes because I have to, I have to check myself too sometimes where I'm like, you can't say that. <laughs> no, I do too. I mean... I like, I, I actually, I made a post on Facebook a couple of weeks ago that I was like, um, you know, you guys don't understand. I, I am not as mean as I could be. And you should be thankful. You should be so thankful. Because the things that go through my head, y'all would be going crying. Y'all would just be crying. <laughs> no, it's a lot of hard truths that some people are not, re- they're not ready to have the conversation. They're not mentally there. You ever see something and you realize that as this person is telling you their story, you realize that they're the problem? The it's, man it's like, on the, the comments on the post where I, I... Oh my God, don't even get me started so on listen, that. listen, <laughs> to anyone who didn't see this interaction, so I made a post on Facebook a, a little while ago saying some, something about, 
What, what was the post? I forgot. Oh, what it one. was, I'll, I'll tell you the post. Uh, it was actually something I, I talked about this with my roommate. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> oh, yes. I actually, I showed her the whole post. And I was like, look, get a load of this. <laughs> like, get a load of this. <laughs> You're going to want to read this. And so it was a post that you had made saying that forcing your children to participate in religious things is a form of trauma. And this guy went, ape shit absolute crazy talk on this post. And he was talking about how like, well, maybe if we don't introduce them to religion, that's the bigger crime. And I'm just like, what? You Did you just say that? <laughs> yes, it was very, um, it, it was misplaced. Like, this guy, he was going like balls to the wall, like fighting for his life in this comment section, y'all. Like, <laughs> you don't understand. Like, I was coming back with like the facts, like straight up. I was like, dude, you understand that, you know, it's technically non-consensual to force somebody to participate in the things that you participate in. See, that was the key word, force. I wasn't saying like introducing it to them at all was an abusive thing. It was the fact that you were forcing them to participate in church activities. You're enrolling them in Sunday school. Like you're, you're prematurely brainwashing these children because you think it's for the greater good. But it's, is it, is it though? I I don't think that it is. Because it doesn't give the child a choice. It doesn't. You can show them their options, but if you just force them down one path, then they're going to think that's the normal and only way. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I'm so thankful for the upbringing that I had is that I was raised in such diversity that I I had the option to pick and choose. And it's still safe to ask questions. I feel like a lot of our listeners going through deconstruction right now felt that they were not safe to even ask, pose the question to their parents. Yeah. And that's, and that's why I always like to encourage people to find other people that are similar to you. It's, it's going to create an opportunity for you to have that safe space to ask those questions. Like I, my friends all the time, they, they come up to me with cannabis questions and they're just like, this might be dumb. And I'm like, there is no dumb answer. There's no dumb question. There's no dumb anything. If you have a question, ask it. Worst thing you're going to get is a very logical, basic ass answer. And if that's the worst, then now you know. And it's just one of those things that like, I wish that people were to be encouraged more to ask questions because questioning your reality is just what keeps you grounded, you know, like it keeps you in, in the know and it, it allows you to be able to understand things further because you're able to have people elaborate on them for you, you know? And like, I understand like Google is a very amazing thing, but if you've got something super specific, there is no way in hell you're going to find it on Google. But I can say that Reddit is a really awesome platform for a lot of those types of things. And there's some really amazing communities out there for people who are just going into their um, spiritual journey and you can get a lot of support online. I, I strongly recommend it. Um, when we get to the end here, I'll uh, I'll drop some of those subreddits uh, and you guys can definitely check those out. I strongly recommend them. The Messy Spirituality Podcast now sponsoring Reddit. <laughs> I mean, hey, oh, Reddit yeah. is one of my favorite platforms to use, especially when I feel like nothing else I can tell me the answer. I will literally just go on Reddit. There's a Reddit for everything. And if it's you good need to answers, see other people's experiences and, yes. and they're truly honest through Reddit. And, and so nine I'm, times out of 10, if you pull up a Google search about something super specific, you're going to get a Reddit thread. Just kind of regardless. Oh because, shit, now that I think about it, you're right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, just go straight to the source and type it into the source and just get it that way. That's so <laughs> good. Fuck Google. We don't need Google. We got Reddit. No, we're leaving Google. <laughs> I just learned, okay, this is, 
I feel like my ignorance is really showing with you, Brie. I have done every dumb thing in the book before this interview with Brie, Stop just up. so our listeners know. Uh, and she probably thinks I'm dumb as shit. And that's... I really don't though. I just need you to understand that I really, 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 really don't. <laughs> well, I just found out what a Google is. <laughs> I'm not joking. I am... 24, I'll be 25 this month. And I shit you not, I just learned what a Google is because American uh, Common Core curriculum really did me dirty. <laughs> Damn, bro. So, <laughs> okay, I have I'm one... Quite, I think um, Delano was dirty though. No, you're, you're right. I mean, why can't we just go outside and... Touch the, grass. Touch grass. Touch grass. We should all touch grass. Um, here's your recommendation for the day. Everyone, touch grass. Yes, please Perfect. do. Roll around in it. <laughs> okay, I've got another question for you. Um, this will be the last question I ask you. Okay. How can we benefit from creating or admiring religious art, in your opinion? So I think it's to create some perspective, some understanding from the past, if I make sense. Like you can kind of get a glimpse into what people were thinking and seeing at the time and really break it down. Like I loved art history in college. Like I thought it was boring as hell, but I did learn a lot. And I think that that was super beneficial in the way that I was able to kind of deconstruct artwork from a distance and kind of put my own perspective into it. Like a, a painting, a religious painting that I think about a lot is um, the, the Last Supper. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoy that painting in general just because I like all the depictions of all of the religious figures that are in it. I like to question the fact, like, did they actually look like that? Because in my opinion, I doubt it. But... It's I do too. Like it's just, it, but it's one of those things that you get a glimpse into the whitewashing of society at such an early time that it, we were doomed from the start. Like, <laughs> this isn't about art, but I'm going to segue real quick. The other day, I went on a bit of a rampage because I saw a picture. I'm, I'm in the uh, space subreddit. Like, it's for space photography and like NASA posts in there and stuff like that. But somebody had posted a um, amateur photo that they had taken with their camera of the Andromeda galaxy. And I went, I went spiraling out of control a little bit. <laughs> Hold on. I gotta, I gotta pull up the text thread so I can just read it verbatim I here. Cause I, it made, me, it made me realize that we were, we were doomed from the beginning to say the least, that humanity, humans in general, are like a super invasive species. Like, I, I think about this so frequently that it makes me kind of sick sometimes. But um, humans are microorganisms crawling on the face of the earth waiting for the sun to explode. And technically nothing matters. <laughs> Thank you for, again, just <laughs> bursting my bubble. I feel like this happens to me every two years where I understand that we're all just going into the void. Literally. So what had happened was I uh, I went down this like rabbit hole of researching um, the Andromeda galaxy. So basically the end is near in about 5 billion years. Um, <laughs> the sun will explode in 5 billion years. It'll consume the earth. But then simultaneously, while that's happening, the Andromeda galaxy and the Milky Way are going to combine and we're going to be flung into oblivion as a space rock. Okay, there's gonna be nothing on here. It's just garbage. Wow, I love that. <laughs> Good news, and, everyone. 
Yeah, so not not to be that gal, but uh, I am the bearer of bad news, and that's okay. But basically, what it did for me was it put into a new perspective of it doesn't really matter, and the things that we fight about don't matter. The whiteness of Jesus doesn't matter, and I don't know why it does but it does in such a strange way. And you can see the same depiction over and over and over again in art forms. Like this is the idea that we all kind of, I guess, non-consensually, mutually agreed that this was fine and it's just not. (laughs) And I wish nothing more than to create a painting of Jesus myself. But if I were to put that anywhere, I would probably be like sued for hate crimes or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah, make it and share it with us. This is, we're, we get messy here. There's nothing clean cut about this. Like, I mean, <laughs> honest to God, like I, I, I probably, I, I think my depiction of Jesus would be a very beautiful black man, like very Egyptian vibe. I would love that. I, I would love that. I heard that from, I mean, I heard this from, from scripture, which was written by man because man said, this is what Jesus looked like. That he looked ugly. <laughs> or what is it? I can't remember. I haven't read the Bible in so long. I'm so happy about that. Anyway. I remember, oh my gosh, this reminds me. When I had I remember when I moved here, it was in like the seventh grade. And I told my mom that I needed a Bible. And she was like, Why? And I was like, Okay, listen. <laughs> These kids at my school, bro, talk about the fucking Bible like it's High Times magazine. Like, I have no idea. And I need to read this thing front to back to be able to engage in these conversations that these people are having. Because, like, my history teacher that I had, he was like, he, he was like my civics teacher. He wasn't like exactly like history. He did like US history, but like in a very basic level. Yeah. And so, um, I remember he made like an Adam and Eve reference in class one day and I was sitting there like, I know of Adam and Eve, but what? What What kind of connection are you trying to make here, sir? This is the seventh grade. What are you doing? And so that was the day I came home and I was like, mom, I need a Bible. And she was like, "Uh, uh, uh, okay. (laughs) She gave me my dad's and I was like, cool. And I sat down and I read that bitch like a storybook. And after I did, I was like, wow, that all, that's fucked. (laughs) Well, at least you were aware of it at a young age. Oh, of course. I mean, like, I already knew how fucked it was by going to church with, like, my grandparents and stuff. Mm -hmm. But, like, I I really didn't know how fucked it was from, like, a direct source, you know? Like, because I read, after I read the New Testament, I read the Old Testament, I was like, that's even more fucked. Holy shit. (laughs) No, yeah. And I mean, a lot of our listeners still adhere to, you know, scripture. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. If it no, points, you, know, wrong if with it points you in a way that you feel most whole and, and most happy and you draw joy from it, then that's fine. It's just yeah. the ways that it can be used to manipulate certain, you know, groups of people. It's just not always healthy the way that we the way that we perceive and read scripture. So exactly. And so a little two cents on that is um, the thing that I was telling you about when we were just uh, chit chatting on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned to you the God self concept. God self is something that I super, super, super identify with. And I'm going to give you the textbook definition right now. 
But I was going to um, say, explain to our listeners what that is in case they don't know. Yes. So um, the idea of God self is the God self is understanding that God is not a individual being. It's self-identifying. And I think the thing that gave me the most internal peace is to self-identify as a God, not the God, not whatever God you believe in. It's just God because I am in charge of myself. I determine what's good for me and I rely on myself and not others. I don't seek... Yeah, I don't even use deities in my practice really because I rely so heavily on my own self and my own existence. And it's uh, to manifest the willfulness and pride and the disobedience in, in generally wanting one's own way. So like... Basically, it's the idea that spirituality and faith and all of those things that are practiced in temples and stuff like that come within and nobody and nothing can give it to you and you can't receive it in any other way. It has to come from you. And that's where the God self identifies within you. Wow. I hope that that enlightens a lot of our listeners, you know, to that idea. Because I know often God self, hearing that term, it's it's kind of like it's a it's a self it's a <laughs> it's a self reflective form of God. Yes, there can be a bit of cognitive dissonance when it comes yeah. to that term. Like, However, I, I joke all the time about having a uh, God complex with my plants because <laughs> I'm responsible for their life. Um, I give them life, and they thrive in the environment that I give them. Um, but it's all jokes because I I know that I am no more than a mere human, <laughs> but I can be as enlightened as I possibly can on a godly level. And um, to do that, you meditate and you practice your own wishful thinking. And that comes out of manifestation for sure. Oh, I, be- I believe that. Mm-hmm. It does. It really does. I feel like I've manifested like my entire life almost because I know that in the end, the only one who's going to get me is me. And if I want things done, then I got to get them done. And if that is through sheer willpower, then so be it. (laughs) So be it. You know, and we can rely on ourselves. We can trust ourselves. We can trust our inner guides. And I I hope that our listeners are are able to tap into that today. You know, something that really helped me was... um, it's actually really funny. In college, I uh, I took a yoga class uh, for credits, actually. <laughs> I paid for it and everything. I participated and I did it, but it changed my entire world. I used to do yoga every so often, like just kind of alone in my room, just never really felt much of anything. But then I took this class where I had this amazing teacher, like she was a literal yogi, like amazing ass woman. And so she led this class in such a beautiful spiritual way that I genuinely felt so calm and weightless in her class while doing all of these yoga poses. And I just kind of took it with me and ran with it. I started looking up like um, a really amazing stretch you can look up online. It's on YouTube. If you don't want to watch the video, you can probably like wiki how it if you wanted to. <laughs> but the sun salutations is a really amazing thing to wake up and do every morning. Um, you just you don't have to have a mat, but I usually recommend people have a towel so you're not technically on the floor. Um, but you just do the sun salutation stretches and I promise you like the rest of your day is going to feel magical. Like you're just going to feel so relaxed and just really good in your footing. Everyone do the, the sun salutation right now. Oh, yeah, wherever you're at. 
drop it, <laughs> drop it now and do it. Drop it now. No, it, do it. <laughs> that's awesome. I am definitely going to do that whenever we, you know, close this conversation because I definitely and there's so many different kinds, there's so many different kinds of stretches you can do too. But like the, in my opinion, the sun salutation you can do any time during the day. You can do it in the evening. It's just it's not super intense. It's just it's all stretching the entire body, and then you lay on the ground at the end of your stretch for about like five minutes in just total silence, or you can listen to music and just close your eyes and float. Oh, the corpse pose. Yes, I love it. It's beautiful. It's so magical. Anyone can do the corpse pose. Absolutely. Honestly, it's probably one of the most like self-soothing things you could do. Just lay on the ground and pretend you're dead. (laughs) We all go back. We all go back. We all do. It comes full circle, you know. All right. Well, Bree, thank you so much for being a part of this conversation with me. I really appreciate you taking time to talk with you know our audience and me. So I want you to go ahead and plug all of your social media that you'd like to, especially the Instagram where that art piece is located. So you guys can find my artwork at local.little.bird on Instagram. And if you want to keep up with my day-to-day, you can find me at local hippie mom. And that's H-I-P-P-Y, not I-E. Also, you guys, I just wanted you to know, I do participate in Free Art Birmingham. So every often, if you guys follow them on Instagram, you could uh, get one of my prints for free. Um, That's definitely something that I like to do um, for the community and stuff. I have tons of prints all the time. So go get you some free art out there. There's uh, definitely some active right now. So go find it. Lovely. Thank you so much for plugging all of your information for us to keep in touch with you, for our listeners to connect with you. For sure. Um, Thank you guys for tuning in. I hope that wherever you are today, you know that you are fully loved and fully made out of love and uh, you're important. And I'm so happy that you're here with us and part of this community. Uh, If you'd like to continue the conversation with us, join us at the Messy Conversations on Facebook. And... um, We'll be talking to you guys later. Thank you so much. For sure. One last thing I forgot to plug in those Reddit threads. Um, oh, my bad. Shit. No, do the Reddit. Do the Reddit threads. So r slash um, spirituality is a really, really great place if you're looking for some spiritual growth and support. If you have any questions, you can definitely pop in there. It's a very judgment-free place that you can ask any type of questions. Um, and then r slash starseeds. I also feel like it's a little iffier. Like you have a lot of people who are still very, very early on in their journey and it can be a really great place if you're looking for that kind of support as well. So yeah, check those out. Awesome. I hope you guys check those out too. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you guys. Bye.